Hi, this is Matty Griffin. You're very welcome to the BMW Motorrad podcast. Now, despite the antics, Matty Griffin is a quiet, shy, retiring bloke that usually lets his riding do the talking. We all love watching him perform, and let's face it, wish that we had even just a tiny bit of his amazing talent for freestyle street bike riding. But what about the man behind the helmet? What makes him tick? What are the secrets of his success? And is there any chance we can learn just a few of those skills? Here's what the Irishman had to say when I caught up with him recently. Welcome, Matty. Um, when did you first realise that you were better and faster than the other kids on two wheels? Um, I suppose it started at a very young age, I guess, when um, all the kids were... They were actually kicking a football around the street, and uh, I was looking for two wheels from my dad straight away. And, uh, uh, you know, I was the only one on the street, really, with the on two wheels, but um, it didn't stop me. It didn't... Uh, I enjoyed my own company and riding the bike myself and trying to do crazy things. You know, I tried the, the football thing and the soccer thing, but... I mean, even to this day, if you give me a a soccer ball, I'd probably actually trip over it. (laughs) It's just the way it is. I've just been two wheels mad, I guess, since I was a very young boy. And did you arrive via the sort of traditional BMX route then? Yeah, I guess um, probably showing my age now, yeah, but uh, it was the um, the BMX, that was it, a heavy BMX with the the mag wheels and, you know, thought it was the best thing since sliced bread and... Um, yeah, really, really happy. You know, I love my BMX and always getting punctures and, you know, the usual and putting patches on them and all that. So, yeah, it was a BMX, I guess, I started with. And what about motorcycles? When did you first, you know, cock your leg over a bike? How young were you? Um, I think, like, initially I was probably around five or six years of age when my dad... Um, when the neighbours were moving out and they were clear, clearing out their shed and they um, there was a really old bike in there. It was like, it had pedals and an engine, you know, it was like a, there's probably a bigger engine than a strimmer now today, but, you know, the, the throttle cable was broke. I asked my dad did he want it and he was like, yeah. So straight away I was tipping him on the shoulder. Dad, can I, can I? He's like, give me a chance to fix the throttle cable. So we were, um, ended up driving around the street on that. He pushed us off and let us off on it and that was, that was, I suppose, where the bug started i guess and how long was it before you uh rode your first bmw by then uh i suppose when i started riding the bmws it was back in uh 2004 where i was introduced um to i think the hp2 was launched at the time and uh conor mcgrory actually from uh he was at motorrad in dublin at the time in ireland and uh he got word, you know, there wasn't much social media as much back then. It wasn't just check out Facebook, Maddie's profile. So he had some friends that I actually used to do a bit of trials riding with. And um, he heard that I was pretty good at handling kind of any different type of a bike. I can adjust pretty quickly to different models or whatever. And uh, he asked me to do the launch for the HP2. And I was thinking, yeah, why not? And he was good enough to send me one down, you know, probably about a week beforehand to get familiar with the bike and... I think two hours actually would have been good enough for me to get familiar with that bike. It was actually beautiful, really nice to ride, really lovely to control. And, and um, so we did the launch. It was, uh, I think I raced the, uh, at one stage I raced the M- M5. It was just launched at the time and raced that on a helicopter and on the, on the track, on the runway and stuff like that. And, did some demonstrations on it and I think the UK guys got some word of uh, you know it wasn't long getting around and I was pretty quickly I got a phone call from uh, Motorhead UK to get me over to I think it was Donington Park at the time with Saipavi and 
Cliff and Sai had a great little competitions and getting rockers on the ground and trying to get, you know, messing and wheeling. And so it went pretty well. There was some very good press out of that. So um, I think that's initially how I got introduced to BMW. I think I might have even been at Dorrington that day. Were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've been looking for an HB2 Enduro ever since and I can't find anyone to sell one to me. Yeah. yeah it's an incredible bike, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, really nice bike, actually. I was very pleased with it. Yeah, and so you got some sort of early gigs out of that. So when, when you realised that you could get paid for performing, this must have opened up a whole new world for you. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I've always been a worker. I've always been, you know, always not afraid to get my hands dirty and stuff. And even to this day, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, so I suppose I, I opened my own bike shop when I was 22. Um, I had two guys working for me and one of them was old enough to be my dad. Every time someone came in, they asked me where the boss was and... I'm like, I'm the boss, and yeah, yeah, okay, seriously, where's the boss? And they look down and see the grey-haired guy at the end, and they walk down to him. But it's uh, it was quite funny to see them come back with their tail between their legs, coming back to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, I mean, I had the bike shop, and at that time, it was, uh, it was kind of, you know, I was working long hours. Some things haven't changed, actually. But uh, working long hours, and uh, the guys were getting their wages, and I seemed to be coming home with nothing. And that was kind of around the time then the stunt riding was... Uh, you know, introduced to me, um, there was a good fr- friend, well, he wasn't actually a friend at the time, but he, uh, a guy in Ireland, David Hanahoe, used to stunt ride a lot, and uh, I heard of this guy, and I seen the VHSs, actually, that was going around, I was waiting for one for a while, yeah, so I got the VHS, and I seen this guy touching the rail off the back on the ground, and doing 180 stoppies that I didn't think could, you know, we didn't think could be possible, and that, and uh, I was thinking, I want a bit of that, and I uh, met the guy, and he was very good to actually um, let me ride his bike, and so from there, we became good friends, actually, and um, even though he finished stunt riding, he actually still helped me a lot in my career and came with me on shows and helped me driving and, you know, at events and stuff like that. So, And, of course, we all remember Chris Pfeiffer. Was that somebody else that who inspired you as well back in the day? Yeah, definitely. Chris um, Chris always... Uh, it was always uh, his style I liked, you know. I, I always seen... You know, he had a unique style, and... Um, that's something I liked and something I carry on today, I guess, because, um, you know, you've got uh, 90 probably percent of riders riding small 600cc four-cylinder uh, four engines and they all dress the same. They all do the same stuff. They, uh, you know, it don't, I just preferred like a nice clean cut, clean bike, not pipes hanging off it and steam coming out of them. And I just wanted a good brand. I wanted a good image and have a unique style. And I guess Chris ha- kind of had that and it was something I liked. And I suppose we both had the trials background as well, which, um, you know, he had the gas gas in his show at the time. And funnily enough, I was already, before I even seen him riding a straddle bike, I was already trying the stuff on my gas gas that he was doing in his show. And I was thought, thinking, you know, I'm already doing the stuff he's doing on his gas gas. Maybe I could do the stuff he's doing on the big bike. And I guess I guess I I was able. You talk you talked about sort of developing parts that didn't exist and um, modifying bits and bobs to, to in order to create you know what's the perfect stunt bike for you at the time. What are the essential steps? What what are the essential steps, for example, on something like the F eight hundred R that you would need to change in order to give you a chance to learn some stunts? If you don't mind, I'll start with the engine because um, I guess many people. Um, they have this image in their head that there's something special done with the engine. Their BMW have, you know, brought it into their brought bike into their secret place and done some work on it. The engine, I can tell you, is absolutely standard. The only thing I've done with the engine is I've put a probably a K N air filter in, and I have a actually 
a gear shifter off a bicycle as a as a, a throttle adjuster where I just bring my revs, my idle up to two and a half to three thousand RPMs. The rest after that is balance and um, skill, I guess. But um, yeah, I suppose the brackets is brackets. I've got three calipers around my back wheels. Some people find that pretty amazing, um, you know, because I've got a handbrake and. I do a lot of the wiring where I wire the fans direct just to keep the fan on, to keep it cool in these hot conditions like here in Garmisch. Um, the bike, so the bike really, a lot of the modifications that you can actually see, there's nothing nothing special done to it. The, the frame is st- standard, the forks are standard, swing arm is standard, um, engine is standard as I said. Um, I've got a Touratech shock in the back, but... I mean, other than that, the bike is pretty standard. Some braided hose lines from Goodridge and, you know, it's a pretty standard bike, though. Oh, that's great to hear. So you've performed shows all over the world over the years. And what would you say, if you can, has been your most memorable show and why? <laughs> OK, um, that's a good one. I mean, OK, something that struck me, probably most memorable um, I've done shows all over the world, some amazing places, amazing scenery, amazing meeting such amazing people. I mean, you're no stranger to that. You've been around the world. It's something, you know, you, you experience, you know, it's really amazing. Um, probably not for any crazy reasons, but I mean, probably one of the most memorable is in uh, China for Motorrad Days in China, where I could kind of see it coming, you know, um, the crowd, I, I, they were very, very excited. I did the show and I went to do my autograph session and there was two kind of security guys there just to keep the crowd, I guess, under control. But the crowd was absolutely massive and I could see this come and I asked them to get more security and they said, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And the, the crowds actually got very aggressive with each other, not with me, but they were like snapping and trying to, they were fighting over the autograph cards and I mean, I'm pretty patient. I stayed there for a while, but it got to a stage where I had to actually run away with my flyers with two security guys and run into a room, a small square room. And there was like, they were banging on the doors. It was like, I was just sitting there going, this is absolutely crazy. Rock and roll. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, that was a memorable one. Yeah. But I mean, we could be here all day. I've tell you about stories and sitting in customs offices in in India, lying to customs, telling them that I'm there on a tour around India on a bike with no lights on it and boxes of flyers and my toolbox that I hope they don't open. And yeah, there's been some uh, pretty scary moments. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, not, not everyone, you know, is able to come to places like Garmisch and, and see the show. So it's fantastic that you've been able to sort of reach out to, to that BMW Motorrad community around the world. Around the world. Mm, yeah, for sure. It makes it all worthwhile from a from a performance perspective, doesn't it? When, yeah. you, when you get that feedback, one of the one of the things I've noticed is, and you've probably got an opinion on this, is that everyone is phone is um, everyone is filming performances on their phones now, and they're forgetting to watch. And it also makes a difference in because they're holding their phones, they're forgetting to clap as well because you can't clap while yeah, you're filming. So yeah, I was thinking if we could get people to just kind of put their phones down and just use their eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good one, actually, because it's something I actually thought about yesterday. And I can see people clapping their wrist, you know, because they're trying to record, but the phone is shaking, you know, I, I watch a lot what's going on in the crowd when I'm doing my show. I mean, it's all right me doing my tricks and all that, but I really like to interact with the crowd, as you can probably see. Um, I'm watching almost everything I can that's going on in there while concentrating on my show. And I mean, I, I, I like 
I mean, I've over a million on Facebook alone followers and sometimes think, oh, I'm not posting enough, but I'm the type of guy, I like to experience it, you know, and I mean, I know what if I could give any advice to these people out there, BMW Motorrad have a full team here, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, that are recording all this stuff and all the highlights, they are doing it for you enjoy the experience you know and i always get people say to me oh i i watch your show on youtube it's amazing or you know i'll watch it guys if i can tell you anything it's come to the events there's nothing i'm sure you'll agree with me if you're standing there you can feel the bike through the ground it's there's nothing like the experience of a live show yeah it's a sight it's a smile it's the noise it's the reaction yeah. of the crowd and, and like you say it's that interaction with you and and of course you enjoy it a lot more that way yeah. so Apart from shows, have you ever actually done any TV work, some stunt work? Um, I guess over the years I've been asked to do um, some movies and stuff, some pretty big ones. Um, but it's something I never... I'm For me, What the reason why I'm so long doing what I'm doing, people say, do you get sick of stunt riding? And I'm like, no, I don't. How could you get sick of... For me, it's not about to take home my wage. Okay, it helps because it pays the bills. But what this is about for me is making people happy. Old, young. I've had guys come to me yesterday that just happened to be in Garmisch. They don't know front of a bike to the back and they said to me, they told me they don't know anything about bikes, they have no interest in bikes, never had. But that show was absolutely amazing. That guy went home with such a smile on his face and the rest of them. But I guess um, what makes it for me is making people happy, seeing a smile on their face and new people all the time and inspiring people you know it's just that's really what makes it for me i do enjoy it like this show the la all the shows actually since i came here you can see a big big smile on my face that's not put on for a show i'm enjoying that as much as those people in the crowd yeah it, it certainly shows as well and i think for all the people out there in the crowds and who are watching who are riders i think everyone wants to learn to be a better rider and a lot of people want to want to learn to wheelie that's the starting point isn't it yeah well, and I've heard that you've set up some kind of wheelie school to get people get people on that first step to uh, wheelie yeah, freedom. It's it's something I have done. It's something I've been thinking about for many years, probably te over 10 years, I guess. I've been asked to set up a wheelie school to teach people. And I guess what I wanted to do, I didn't want to start it yet. I wanted to keep traveling, keep going. But a lot of pressure come on lately for a wheelie school. So I said, OK, I'll do it. Um... I don't want it to interfere with my shows. I want to keep doing my shows as I am. And maybe the weekends I'm not doing shows. I'll do a wheelie school, um, teach people. It's something I've noticed over the years. I've been, I've been in meetings in Munich and BMW in offices where there's guys with suits on that I would not even imagine ride a bike. And on the lunch break, they tip me on the shoulder and go, so tell me, how do I wheelie my K13? And I'm looking going, oh, you know, everybody, any, anyone, everyone has a bike wants to wheelie. They, I think they do. Anyone who has a bike, they want a wheelie. It doesn't mean they want to go out on the road and, you know, do some silly things, you know, on the road. They're just for their own. Everyone wants to be able to pop that little wheelie, whether it's in their private yard where they work or whatever it is. They just want to be able to do that wheelie. So, yeah, I've set up a wheelie school. And um, it's I've done rent two weekends so far, put 60 people through, and I have got 57 guys wheeling out of the 60. So, hey. That is a brilliant result. So what about the future, Matty? Have you got any boxes still to tick in the uh, in the old bucket list? Um, there's nothing. Um, I've always been a guy that's... I never made plans. I never really plan. You know, I live for the moment, I guess. And 
Um, that's always the way I've been. You know, I don't like making plans. I like to go with the what's happening or, you know, I mean, the way I've, I've always seen is my dad always says, you know, we're we're just waiting for a bus. Your bus can come early or can come later. It might come on time, you know. So you don't know how long we're going to be here. Just enjoy the moment and um, keep doing what I'm doing for now. I'm happy. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, thanks ever so much for talking to us and entertaining us, of course, with such great shows. How can people find that Wheelie School online? So type in my name into the internet and uh, even type in Wheelie School and I'm sure it'll come up. Great stuff. Well, listen, thanks for your time. Cheers, Matty. It's been a pleasure. So that interview was recorded a few months ago and since then we've seen the all-new F900R unveiled at Eichmer. It's got stunt bike written all over it. So I just had to ask Matty what his plans are with the new R. He's a top man, and he was kind enough to call me while on his holidays. Here we go. Andy, how you doing? Morning, Matty. How are you doing Good. today? Not too bad. No, not too bad. Thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast again, especially while you're on vacation. Yeah, absolutely no problem. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Andy. Yeah, well, listen, I've just seen the F900R at Eichmer, and I've watched the fans' amazing reaction to it. I've seen Chris Pfeiffer even eyeing it, eyeing it up. But you've actually had a version of this bike since last July. How did you manage to keep that to yourself? Uh, it was quite hard, to be honest, because it's uh, pretty exciting. It was very exciting, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to do that. You have to keep it, keep the secrets, <laughs> keep these things under wraps, um, make it more exciting when they are revealed, you know? Absolutely. Well, you did a cracking job on that. I didn't have a clue. But what were your first impressions when you saw the bike? I had a lot of first impressions, actually. Um, really, I'm, I, I mean, you've seen the bike. Um, it, everything, everything is different. Everything has changed. Everything has improved. Um, the guys really, really put a lot of work into it. And I think it's going to be a really, really amazing bike um, when it's finally out there. And what was it like, that first impressions, when you actually sort of slung a leg over it and rode it for the first time? Um, pretty impressive, I have to say. Uh, I, probably the first thing that jumped out at me is the sound of this bike. It actually sounds amazing. It sounds like you've got a parallel twin that almost sounds like a V-twin. It sounds beautiful. Um, lovely, nice, tidy exhaust. Um, just everything, the feel of it, the brakes, everything, just the power you know you can really feel that difference in power and they've done a lot of work with the with the engine and uh, you know they've been working on that quite some time and you know it it reflects in the finished product you can see it how you know how beautiful it is and i can assure you it rides as good as it looks yeah i mean it's it's a massive improvement on the old model but in all areas that was the thing that surprised me more than anything yeah, it is pretty amazing. You know, they really, as I said, the guys really did an amazing job. You got that lovely um, display as well. The you know the the LCD display and the lights, everything. It's just an amazing bike. I'm really really looking forward to um, getting that thing on one wheel. <laughs> of course, that's the uh, the stock model, but turning it into the Matty Griffin specific stunt bike that requires quite a bit of modification. So, what are the key areas that you need to work on to do that? Um, I guess what I'd be focused on first is the um, Getting that extra hand, uh, extra brake up on the left um, side handlebar, and uh, getting the bigger sprockets, and uh, you know, designing a foot rail, a comfortable foot rail for it, and pegs, you know, stronger foot pegs, and just the, the usual things. But I mean, you know, I've been riding the F eight hundred R now ten years, actually, believe it or not, ten years this year, and um, you know, it's been quite, you know, I've went through all the things of building the stunt bike and. Um, 
you know, to get in the parts. So this is a new bike. Everything is new. So it's it can take it can take quite a bit of time to um you know manufacture the stunt parts and special parts. Absolutely, because I mean not only that, but you do everything yourself, don't you? You don't sort of ship things or farm things out. It's all sort of done by yourself in your workshop. Yeah, I do a lot of the, I suppose uh, probably do about maybe 70% of the work, 75% of the work myself. Yeah, the designing and, the, you know, making the parts and stuff like that. But, you know, there's certain things I don't have CNC machines and stuff like that. So there is certain things I need to um to get get made or whatever you know and I, I've got some f- friends that work closely along with me that help me with that kind of stuff as well so and um, they've helped me design and build my last bikes so um yeah it's that's great I mean I imagine it takes a long time to do all that are there any of the old parts that will transfer across to the new bike or are you sort of pretty much go, going from the ground up it's come from the ground up it's a completely different you know it's a completely different platform I'm working on a completely different bike so um, but it's exciting, you know. I like to. I nearly, as much as it's easy to switch some parts over, it's exciting for me to to start new, build everything from scratch. Absolutely, and I totally understand that. So, taking a ballpark guess, when do you imagine you'll be using it in your shows? Then, um, my plan and my aim is to be using it in my next show, um, probably early next year. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, listen, Matty, thanks ever so much for talking to us. Good luck with the rest of the preparations. And, and certainly I'll see you in in BMW Motorrad days in Garmisch in July, if not before. That's for sure. That's great. Thanks very much, Andy. All right. Have a great holiday. See you now. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So there you have it. Matty Griffin, one of motorcycling's nicest blokes, a true brand ambassador and one hell of a rider, by the way. We can't wait to see him ride the F900R next year. We'll be back early in December with a very special treat, a deep dive into the future and a special podcast from an undisclosed restricted location. There'll be unique insights into future technology, expert talks and much more. There's some amazing content coming in our future episodes and we can't wait to share it with you. But as we're doing this podcast series for you, why don't you get in touch and tell us what you'd actually like to hear on the show, which topics you'd like us to cover and who you'd like to see as guests. Why not write us a direct message via Instagram or contact us on any of our social media channels? This is Andy Duke signing off. So wherever you are, don't forget to make life a ride. Bye for now.